and and very uh, for very good reason. But that excitement uh, again it, it propelled them, it drove them forward. Even though they were scattered, they still carried the gospel with them wherever they went. And we're going to to look more at that later on. But I do want you to recognize for the purpose of this lesson that the gospel is not meant to stay in one place. The gospel is not meant to stay in one place, but is meant to be carried to the world. And these people, they, they got that. They understood that. And so they carried the message of the gospel to the world. It is our mission as followers of Christ to ensure that others are taught the gospel and that the church is taken to the furthest reaches of the world while also being well established at home. So in order for us to be evangelistic and to realize the need for evangelism, to realize the, the need that, that we have in, in fulfilling that responsibility as Christians. In order for us to fulfill that responsibility, we must be well established within ourselves. We must be well established as far as, as the church at home is concerned. It's important that we as the Mars Hill congregation be well established in what we believe in what we practice and what we teach and that we take that into the world that we take that to a people that, that does not know Christ in the way that we do but we need to be well established at home and that is the beginning of the church now like I said I, I wanted to focus on the evangelism the, the evangelism aspect of Christianity and I do want to visit that later on, but as I looked at the, the beginning, in being well established at home, I realized that, that this is a lesson in and of itself, that this is something that we need to spend some time on. And so I want to spend the rest of our time together today looking at the church in its establishment, that the church in its beginnings, and, and look at how important that is for us. We're going to actually go back to the Old Testament for, for a moment. So if you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, uh, be working your way toward Isaiah, sort of in the middle of the Old Testament and the books of prophecy. Uh, we have the book of Isaiah. And we're going to look at chapter 2. But in looking at the establishment of the church, before the church could be spread throughout the world, it had to be established at home and it had to be well established at home. There was a beginning point for the church which was in Jerusalem. The church was begun in Jerusalem and this was part of prophecy. Um, some of, of our Mars Hill people, you may remember that um, a while back we, we had been studying uh, through some basics of the church uh, why I'm a member of the Church of Christ has been our, our topic of study on Wednesday nights. And, and we went through a period where we looked at the prophecy, the, the prophecies concerning the church and its establishment. So according to the Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, we read this. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Isaiah 2, 
and verse 1. The words that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways. And we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The church was going to be established, and it was going to be established beginning in Jerusalem. That was very, very important. So we need to remember that the church in its establishment was to begin in Jerusalem. Now Jesus, as we get into the New Testament, he also foretells the establishment of the church in Jerusalem. Beginning in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and beginning with verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The church, again, was to begin in Jerusalem, and he told his disciples this. They were to prepare themselves for this. Um, Jesus had, uh, we re realized that, that Luke 24 is the last chapter in Luke, and this follows the resurrection of Jesus, but it precedes the ascension of Jesus. He is about to ascend. He is about to be away from their presence, and when he is away from their presence, he tells them, Wait, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And they did. And the church was established in Jerusalem. We go back to Acts chapter 2 and beginning with verse 36. And this kind of picks up where we were last week and in looking at the conversion of the Jews and, and what we are to do to be saved. Acts chapter 2 verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, 
as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In Jerusalem, on the day of Pentecost, we see the church in its establishment. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of what Jesus had prepared his apostles for. And so we see that, that in Peter's sermon, he comes to a point where he presents unto them Christ. And they, they realize that there is something that they must do, and they ask that most wonderful question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What must we do? They ask that great question, and it's a question that we all must come to a point of asking. We need to ask that self, ourselves, of ourselves, that question. What shall we do? What do we need to do? And then we turn to scriptures. And when we turn to scriptures, then we learn what it is that we need to do. Exactly what the apostles told the Jews in Jerusalem to do. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What must we do? We must repent. And we must be baptized. We must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, the same thing that Jesus said that we are to go into the world carrying the gospel in Matthew 28. And we are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe it's the very same thing. And we are to be baptized for a purpose. We are to obey with a purpose. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. For the forgiveness of sins. Those things must be accomplished in that very way for that very reason. And without that, obedience is not possible. If we refuse to obey the gospel in the way that the Bible presents it, in the way it is presented in God's Word, then we are refusing God's commands. And we cannot be children of God. Those things are very, very important. That's the beginning of the church. It was established in Jerusalem. And in this very way, we are to be become members of the same church. The same thing that the apostles told the Jews. It's the same thing that we must do today. And I believe last week we talked about how all the conversions... In Scripture, they may have different uh, things that lead to that conversion. Uh, maybe someone has already believed, and maybe they're in need of repenting. Uh, maybe they've already confessed, and you know, maybe they haven't. You know, the eunuch needed to confess before he could be baptized. Uh, but all of them are concluded with baptism, and that it shows the importance of baptism in each and every conversion, and even in each and every conversion today. We must follow the commands of Scripture and must be baptized for the remission of our sins. All of these things, maybe someone is carried from a different point in Scripture, but they all did the same things in order to become Christians. Hear, believe, repent, confess faith in Christ, 
be baptized for the remission of sins. And all those things must be accomplished for us to become members of this church. In the rest of our time, I want us to look at, at what the church was established on. This is the most important part of this lesson. But what was the church established on? And if we don't recognize what the church was established on, then we cannot be the church that God wants us to be. We cannot be the same church in the 21st century that was in the 1st century, which is exactly uh, what we want to do. And that's the plea of the, the churches of Christ. It's the plea of Christians, those that are truly seeking God's word and to be what God wants us to be. We want to be the church of the 1st century. I want us to first look at the promise of Christ in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and beginning with verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, What do men say that I, or who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Notice that all of those answers were wrong. Jesus was not John the Baptist. He was not Elijah, and he was not Jeremiah, or even one of the prophets. That's what people said. But Jesus asked another question of his disciples. In verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Not Peter, but on the rock of his confession, the rock of his faith, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's the very faith that the church is founded on even today. He goes on to say that the gates of Hades, the gates of, of death and hell, shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And there is debate over whether Jesus was speaking directly to Peter here, or if he had turned his attention to the, the rest of the apostles that, that, that were present. Either way, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, uh, binding and loosing the same is stated to all the apostles. And it's exactly what Jesus intended. It's what God intended from the very beginning. The church would be established on their doctrine, on the things that they taught. The church, is, the church was established upon the teachings of the apostles who shared with others the things that they had witnessed and the things revealed to them by God. There were many things that they didn't understand until the end of Jesus' ministry, until the very beginning of what they were supposed to do and the beginning of their mission. But the church was founded upon the binding and the loosing of the apostles' doctrine, which is the doctrine of the Bible, the doctrine of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43, notice this. 
But they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, through letters written and preserved within the Bible. We, too, have the apostles' doctrine before us, and it is important that we continue in this doctrine as it is blessed unto us by God. As did the church of the first century, the church of the 21st century also must be well-founded and well-established, continuing in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. If we fail to continue in the apostles' doctrine, then we are not the church of the Bible. We are not the church that we read about in the Bible. If we want to be that church, then we must be well-founded in the doctrine of the apostles, the things that were given to them by Christ, by God, through the Holy Spirit. It's very, very important that we hold to that doctrine, and no other doctrine will do. We cannot add to or take away from what has already been taught. I want you to notice the words of Paul in Galatians 1 verses 6 through 10. Galatians 1 beginning with verse 6. I marvel that you were turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do now, for do I now persuade men of for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul recognized the importance of not adding to and not taking away from what has been presented to us by the apostles to continue in their doctrine and no other doctrine. We're not to add to it. Uh, there can be no other gospel. Uh, have you ever heard that before? I have. I remember as I was growing up, and I haven't seen it lately, but there used to be a, a commercial, and there used to be a certain book that many of you, are, I'm sure, are very familiar with that they professed was another testament of Christ. That cannot be according to the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 1. We cannot present anything else other than what has been presented in the gospel. The gospel... Uh, according to Christ, the gospel that was presented through his apostles, we must continue in their doctrine and no other. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, and then the lesson will be yours. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written 
in this book. Friends, it is not up to us to change, to alter the Word of God in any way. We have been given exactly what God wants us to have through the teachings, through the ministry of the apostles. We have their writings, and just as the church of the first century did, we need to endeavor to continue in the apostles' doctrine, in their fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers, and all the things that they have taught us, not adding to and not taking away from anything that has been presented to us in the scriptures. And we must be a well-founded, a well-established church and in order to be truly evangelistic and in order to teach those things that God wants us to, to people He wants to, wants to hear the gospel. Uh, but we'll look at that more next week, Lord willing. Hopefully we'll have the, the opportunity to be together once again. And I am, again, appreciative that you have spent this time with me. Before we depart, Let's bow in a word of prayer. Holy Father, we are again thankful for this opportunity that you've given to us to be able to, to pray together, to be able to study together your word. And we pray that, that everything that, that we have understood today is in accordance with your will, that it helps us to be better Christians, that it helps us going forward to be the people that you would have us to be. We are thankful for once again, your son, for his sacrifice for our sins, for all that, that his sacrifice means to us. We are thankful for the ability that we have to, to worship, to study together. And we pray, Father, for the day that, that we can once again come together in each other's presence physically, that we can, can be able to embrace one another and to be able to spend time together. And until then, help us be patient. And again, help us to, to use the, the tools that we have in the right way so that we can, can still proclaim your gospel to the world. We pray that you would bless us, that you would guide us, guard us, protect us always. Care for us as you have, and we thank you for your blessings. It is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. Well, I do again thank you for, for being with me today. And I hope to have another opportunity to be with you once again. But until we meet again, may God bless you. Let's just say, call it a lesson. <laughs>